Welcome back to this week's episode of the SeaTown Podcast, where Seattle business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders are invited on to share their stories with us. Uh, welcome back to the SeaTown Podcast. Today I'm with Emont Holmquist of Holmquist and Gardner, a uh, real estate and business law firm. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks. Great yeah. to be here. Um, if you want to mind telling our listeners maybe a little bit about uh, about what you do, um, I, I'd imagine for a lot of listeners, it's kind of like real estate, like most people don't really understand what real estate people do. You know, maybe yeah. in the same vein, a lot of people don't really understand you know, the difference between uh, lawyers and, and kind of how that world works. Yeah. So basically, uh, we help people solve their problems involving real estate or business law. Typically... It's not so much a problem, but some action that they want to take, whether it's buying or selling real estate or mm-hmm. leasing real estate. And then if there's a dispute, then we come in and represent them in lawsuits. Mm-hmm. I typically am more involved in transactions, but we have attorneys that help with litigation. So on my side of it, if we're doing a transaction, then we're essentially holding people's hands through that transaction. Sure. So it's a lot of time reviewing documents, drafting documents, and then explaining to clients what they mean so that they can mitigate their risk in that transaction. Sure, sure. Now, I'm a little more interested in what you do and how that works being in real estate myself, (laughs) because obviously if someone's going to buy or sell a house, they're going to go through someone like you or someone like me. Um, What's kind of, I guess, the the difference? Why would someone maybe come to a real estate lawyer versus like a... a Well, I think where I start is what what we don't do, which is uh, anything to do with evaluation of fair price or a good deal and we'll frequently get that question from clients Mm -hmm. and they will get halfway through on on say a 1.5 million dollar purchase and they will say do you think i'm getting a good deal Mm. and we will say i don't know talk to your broker sure so uh and the second component of things that we don't do is marketing so we are not listing real property Mm -hmm. Uh, we do not actively solicit uh, offers for real estate. And so most of the time, if we're involved on a residential transaction, which we do from time to time, it's more it's parties that have already known that they're selling. There's no marketing involved. Sure. The price has already been arranged. Sure. And we're drafting the documents and holding their hands. Okay. So maybe Far- something that's like off market or they've already come to a price. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. And, and in those cases, they typically either they are brokers themselves or they have a broker who's a friend or family and they already have a deal and so they, they sort of understand all of the things that a broker would normally do mm-hmm. are not necessary for that transaction that said on commercial transactions you'll have a broker sure. and you'll be we will work hand in hand with the broker to make sure that uh, when there are issues that come up say you're talking about legal rights uh, applicable to say parking rights or something like that yep. client says hey what's the value of that we can say why don't you talk to your broker about that? He'll okay. help you figure out what the value of parking is. Okay. So I'd imagine with commercial real estate being a lot more complicated uh, and, and not quite as standardized as residential, you get a lot more commercial clients? Yeah, there's more risk. The documents involved are uh, more, or, so I would say, less standardized. Sure. And so uh, you know, you, when you're doing a... Um, I hate to use big dollar amounts, but just a transaction that involves a, a piece of property where a high rise could be built. Sure, talking you're multi, looking about you're you're, yeah. you're you're pretty granular in your review of what's going on. Sure. Whereas when you're buying a single family residence with a with a lower property value, but and the residence is already in existence, it's not sure. development capacity based. Mm-hmm. You're 
that's a simpler transaction. So typically we're doing less on those. Sure. And, and typically that's why on um, a lot of transactions in the residential world, there's no attorneys involved. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Okay. So really on the commercial side, you're more working hand in hand with a commercial broker, not replacing them uh, like you might in a residential situation. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, most of the time on a commercial transaction, the brokers have already, there's been a letter of intent for the acquisition or sale or the lease, and they're throwing it over to the attorneys for the drafting of documents and standing by to answer questions as they come up. Okay. Yeah. Well, I find that all very interesting. Hopefully listeners don't find it too, uh, you know, glaze over too deep. Too <laughs> it's deep not exactly exciting. Industry, but, and during yeah. the day, I'm pretty much staring at a computer screen and helping clients and then doing research. It's sure. it's really not that glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, how uh, kind of a two-part question. Sure. Um, what made you decide to want to become a lawyer and then specifically in this uh, kind of niche of, of law? Sure. Uh, I grew up uh, with uh, over in Kirkland and my father had a construction company. So I uh, often found myself sweeping up on job sites or swinging a hammer on um, pretty low-skilled labor positions, uh, in, but watching houses get built pretty quickly or remodel projects happen very quickly. And I, and I distinctly recall, and I, and I knew this while I was an undergrad, the feeling of having completed something that day, sure. having added value. And when you're in construction or the development world and the real estate world, typically you can look back at your day and go, oh, we, we either acquired this, we added value to it, we built something. And I knew in law school that that was something that I was going to be excited about, was being able to finish up uh, the day going, well, we, we acquired that property or we, um, or we leased that property. And that's a value add. Sure. Whereas in, in, in some cases, in other pra- areas of practice of law, Sure, it's a little more a little ethereal. More, yeah, and you yeah. could spend years uh, in, 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 in just complete, um, in the trenches in litigation, for example, where day-to-day it's not that clear what the value add was. But sure. most of the time in transactions, you're moving and shaking and getting sure. stuff done. Makes sense. Um, now, obviously, you know, as, as a lawyer, you could, you know, become, you just hire on to a firm or whatever, but, you, you know, instead you kind of decided to venture out and start your own, own firm. What? Uh, what was the motivation behind that, I guess? Yeah, I was very fortunate early on, uh, before going to law school, to ask around the community, and, and, and I was looking for any position in any law firm, and mm-hmm. as it turned out, I, I was able to work at a big firm called Davis Wright Tremaine. Basically, I was a glorified copy maker for a year before law school and sure. during law school, and I was able to see what big firms look like, and I, I really enjoyed, I knew that the practice of law was going to be something I was really interested in. Mm-hmm. I also was acutely aware that it was going to be difficult for me to practice in a big firm environment when I identified more with small and mid-sized clients. Um, Fortunately, uh, we're in a position now where we represent a wide range of clients, some of which are some of the largest uh, developers in Seattle, Mm -hmm. um, to smaller, more local local businesses, many of which here in West Seattle. Sure. Um, But it's hard to... uh, to, to have that range of clients at a big firm. And so uh, I was drawn to a small firm from the beginning. Okay, very good. Uh, and how long have you had your own firm? Uh, it's, I think we're on nine years. We started oh, in 2008, mm-hmm. and uh, next year um, we'll, we'll come up on the 10th year anniversary. It's very exciting. Okay, that's awesome. What, what do you find uh, that you enjoy most about, about owning your own business? Uh, obviously, you do law, but then you have the actual running the business itself. You know? <laughs> well, the running the business part is a lot more difficult than people think it's going to be. And I think when it was just uh, my partner, Hamilton Gardner, and I, 
it, it was a lot simpler. Now that we've grown, um, uh, it's that side of it has crept up on us. Mm -hmm. But what I would say about owning a law firm or any business, that's the, what's the most exciting is the entrepreneurial aspect of it. Yeah. And then just the autonomy. We make the decisions and we have the ability to immediately impact the quality of service sure. for the better every day, mm -hmm. as opposed to being removed from that and having somebody else tell you what they think is the best way to do things. Right, right. That's, uh, it's nice. It must be nice having kind of that autonomy versus the... Uh, big firm, a lot of politics and like trying to, to, you know, who's going to be the next partner and all that kind of right. stuff, you know. Right, right. seems like it'd be very difficult to navigate. Absolutely. And and, and there's a, there's a, a discretionary or a or sort of an interesting element that's always on your head at, at a lot of firms where you're thinking about how many total billable hours did I bill this year? Sure. And that's just never been a metric for success in my career, yeah. uh, largely by virtue of working at smaller firms, but mm -hmm. certainly now in our own firm, uh, we, that's just not a target that reflects what the client wants. Right. The client doesn't care how many billable hours you've got in a year, they care about how effectively you represented them and what you got done for them actually in a more quick period of time mm -hmm. so sure yeah that makes sense I mean I you know I wouldn't normally you know think about having like you know a, a lawyer you know on this podcast you know as far as kind of what the the focus tends to be but you know when we met you know we had a lot of discussion around you know it seems like we got a lot of overlap in our, our passions and desire like support the community and being kind of grassroots and and stuff and I love like how you have that focused uh, that focus in your business you know? absolutely and we've really uh, spent a lot of time in West Seattle mm -hmm. uh, my partner Hamilton uh, was the was the president of the West Seattle Chamber of Commerce sat on the board still is on the board mm -hmm. and um, you know both of us grew up here and so uh, we're really tied to the community here yeah. but being a, a firm that wants to have a far, uh, you know, just a little bit bigger of a reach, we, we are downtown. Sure, makes sense, yeah. Uh, when you first started your business, what, what would you find most surprising or unexpected uh, aspect of that? Yeah, I think when you start, uh, especially a law firm, uh, you are, you, you question whether the clients that you have at your existing firm are going to join you, and you sort of hope that additional clients will join on, especially early on. Long term, I think mm -hmm. you think we'll be fine. But short term, you're wondering, and it was amazing to me, and I've had this discussion with a number of other attorneys who've started firms, how just the, just the statement, hey, I've started my own firm, uh, made clients and prospective clients go, oh, okay, well, I'd really like to work with you then. Sure. Sort of a step up. And I think that comes from the entrepreneurial thing, mm -hmm. where if you own a business, you're more inclined to want to work with somebody who also owns a business. That makes sense. Yeah, it's, a, it's a weird identifier that I would not have predicted, but now is objectively, that's just the way it works. People like to work with people like them. Sure. Well, totally makes sense. It's interesting. Um, now, obviously, there's you know a lot of real estate lawyers and stuff out there. What would you say sets uh, your firm apart uh, with what you, you got to do? what you guys do specifically and how you serve your clients? Yeah, we're, we're very much oriented to identifying client needs and adapting what we need to do to make sure we're adding value right away. Mm -hmm. And the difference there is at a lot of firms, they'll look at what the project is first and they'll say, how much money can we make from that or what should we make to cover our risk? Sure. We look at it and say, well, um, what, what, is, what is your sophistication, sophistication level? What are your risks? What can we do to help you? Mm -hmm. If it takes less time to do that, it takes less time and we charge you less. Yeah. Um, so it's starting from the reverse position and that really differentiates, uh, differentiates us and allows us to be more nimble um, and responsive. Sure, that's great. 
I'm kind of moving to the next section of, of the interview uh, on a more more personal level. I know you you know, live here in West Seattle. Uh, you got you know lovely wife and three kids. Uh, like, how do you start each day? What does kind of a regular day look like for you? Well, right now, uh, my two-year-old is potty training. Ah, yes. <laughs> so yes. it begins with uh, uh, Daddy, uh, I'm not sleepy anymore at about 5.30. Oh. Um, and I spend a lot of time with the kids um, trying to make sure that they're excited about going to Lafayette Elementary and yeah. um, excited about getting ready for the day. And that's pretty much it. it my days right now with small children start and end with them. And um, I think best part of the day is reading to my kids at the end of the day, for sure. That's awesome. Do, do your kids have uh, you know, favorite, favorite books they tend to gravitate towards? Um, my oldest child was less inclined to read scary books, and a okay. scary book was defined as the Harry Potter series, so okay. we did not read that. My middle daughter, is, uh, who is uh, six, is really into it. So okay. for the first time, and I've never read the series, sure. so I'm reading that to her right now, and that's, <laughs> that's been fun. Okay, that's, yeah. that's fun. Uh, I've got a six-year-old son, and we like last year did the uh, Chronicles of Narnia. And oh really, wow! Really enjoys really enjoys yeah, those. This is a great series. Yeah. yeah. What would you consider, you know, either personally or uh, what contributes to to your business success? What one of your greatest strengths? Uh, I think everything starts and ends with integrity. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't really matter if you're highly skilled in a particular industry. I'm in a service industry, and I would say the real estate brokerage world the same way. Yeah. You can be as good as you want at it. If you lack integrity, it just all goes out the window. Yeah. And uh, it, it sounds a little cheesy, but everything I do is, um, you know, based on the principles I learned in scouting. Mm-hmm. And I just don't deviate. If something's not right or is unethical, everything just stops. And I and if the client wants to do something like that, I will stop them, mm-hmm. and and I may end end the representation. Sure. So that that's. That's just where you're going to find the greatest success. Yeah, treating right. people right. I, I love that. I mean, I, I don't think lawyers typically have that reputation. Neither do real estate agents. So, I, I resonate. <laughs> I resonate with that. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's one habit that you wish you had? Wow, there are a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I had this perpetual drive to work out. Uh, daily. Um, I really enjoy running, okay. uh, but I just, I, I've never been a guy that goes to the gym. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so I know you, uh, you play golf, you know, it seems like kind of the, the therapeutic, uh, almost like your meditation, you know, recenter uh, with, I'd imagine, all the stress yeah. of family life and yeah. work and whatnot. So you get a chance to, to play that quite a bit. Yeah, I try to play uh, weekly when it's possible. Sometimes it's not. Work's pretty busy right now. Sure. But I found during law school that that's a good stress reliever, and I've just kept that going, and it's worked well. Okay. Do you, uh, do you tend to have kind of a cyclical, is it a cyclical business? Do you have like kind of busy seasons and not busy seasons? Uh, you know, I think we're at a pretty high spot in the marketplace right now for commercial real estate. Sure. And so I think just it's more of like the market cycle. Yeah. The rest of it is all, it's pretty much year-round. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, what What would you say that you're passionate about? Wow. Uh, I'm extremely passionate about my family first and foremost. Sure. I think that's that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. I just get really excited about watching the kids learn. Yeah. Um, particularly reading, and uh, I think that's because I'm pretty passionate about reading okay. in general. I. Um, and so yeah, watching them learn to read is a big one, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, 
further down the list uh, after my family is uh, Husky football. <laughs> Did you go to a UW? Went to University of Washington and go to all the home games for the football team and a few basketball games a year. And That's yeah, fun. it's really exciting. That's fun. What have you found to be the most challenging aspects of owning and running your own, own business? Yeah, I think um, continuing that, that uh, balance between uh, delivering a high-quality product, whatever it is that you're doing, and then um, making sure that you have the time to service all of your clients, so sure. processing work in a yep. manner that makes sense, and then just balancing everything. Because yeah. there's a, a significant amount of pavement beating that you're doing to just keep the lights on and keep clients coming in, mm -hmm. uh, but that's not billable time. <laughs> and so yeah. everything for us is that, that time spent actually working, um, now less so with more associates and, um, and staff, but, but still it's the same dilemma. I mean, how much time do you allocate to marketing each day versus actual work? Sure. What would you say is one lesson that you've learned from you know, overcoming obstacles like that? Well, um, I think when you're less experienced, or at least in the first few years of my practice, certainly the first few years of the firm, you would, you would take pretty much whatever clients came in the door and you were very happy to have them, and we're still very fortunate to have uh, good clients. Uh, however, every once in a while, somebody calls up that has a differing set of values, and they are maybe um, less honest than we would all like to think that all other people are. Yeah. And when you recognize those qualities, uh, if you have the ability to say no to them, uh, that's, that's really important. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you don't have to help everybody uh, just, you know, just because you got a sign out. And that's been huge. Sure. Yeah, I mean, just as much as your success depends on being able to say no at the right times and being able to say yes. Right, right. And, and, and oftentimes you just don't know. Until, and that goes with sure. any industry, you, you work with someone for a few months and all of a sudden you find out that half the things they said were just not true. Yeah. And you've got to be real quick to, to summon your own strength and say, look, this is not a good fit. Mm -hmm. and, and actually be honest, because I think uh, continuing onward with that relationship is as much about your integrity, because you may say to yourself, oh no, it's fine, we'll be fine. Right. Uh, but the quicker you can, you can move on from that relationship, the better for everyone, even that, right. even that client. Sure. What would you say the uh, the best advice you've ever received is? That is a very deep uh, question. <laughs> question. Uh, I think in terms of where I went with my career, I was fortunate enough to have advisors early on who um, who urged me to follow what I was most passionate about rather than what I thought, um, you know, made the most sense on paper. Sure. And that advice has has worked out really well. Okay. That sounds so cliche-ish, <laughs> but it's the truth. Yeah, that's good. I mean, the, the reason the cliches exist is because they, I mean, they're, they're true, right? The truisms. Yeah, know, it just is what it is. Yeah. If you're not happy doing what you're doing, I, I just, I can't, I, I can't look back right now and say that I would do a lot uh, incredibly differently. Um, I've just been really lucky, and, and our firm's been really lucky, and um, you know, in, in terms of how everything's come together. But those decisions were largely based on a lot of good advice from a lot of people. Sure. Uh, what, what would you say is a, a personal habit that contributes to your success? I 
uh, I just have a lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> I get really fired up. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of mornings when there is a lot going on, and it's going to be what would otherwise, at first blush, appear to be an oppressive day mm -hmm. with both the dollar volume or value of what's on my shoulders and the responsibility, and then just the sheer work. Sure. And, and we all have those days. Yeah. But in the face of those days, I get so charged up. I, I, you might as well put on like the final countdown or something. <laughs> I am ready to go and destroy that day. And um, that's just such a big asset. Yeah. Um, do you listen to podcasts? I do. Okay. What uh, do you got? Top podcast, top three podcasts? Yeah. And this is really recent. I had a neighbor turn me on to Sam Harris, waking up with Sam Harris. And yep. I, and I have um, found that to be inspirational and also sort of reinvigorate um, my belief in humanity and society in general after yeah. uh, the last couple of years of weird stuff that's going on. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a reply all, there's a planet money. Okay. Um, and there's how I built this. Okay. I would say actually that's in no particular order. The Sam Harris is way, way up on the list. Okay. So kind of and then outside of that kind of the NPR. Um, mm-hmm. And what's, what's the Alex Bloomberg? His, yeah, but I would say episode. I'm really new to the whole podcast thing. Okay. So, I mean, this is all within the last, like, three months. Sure. And more or less, what can I listen to while I'm running that's not, you know, whatever playlist, yeah. you know, music. Yep. So. Okay. Uh, you mentioned, you know, being real passionate about, about reading. Do you, uh, do you have a book you'd recommend to our listeners? Favorite uh, uh, in the last year... Uh, a Gentleman in Moscow, Amor Tolls. I can't pronounce that person's last name. Tolls, T-O-W-L-E-S. Okay. A Gentleman in Moscow would be probably my favorite book in the past five to ten years that, that's come out. Okay. It's just a really well-written piece. So like a novel? or It's a novel, yeah. Okay. It's set in uh, uh, Soviet times and... Uh, Basically, the conversion of nobility into basically uh, a member of the Soviet society, and he's uh, sentenced to a life sentence in the Metropol Hotel in Moscow. Hmm. And before that, he was just a massively rich and sophisticated aristocrat, uh, well-educated, understood wine pairings and food, um, well-educated, and here he's going to spend the rest of his life in a hotel. I won't give the book away, but I, I just found it to be both well-written and entertaining and have uh, with historical relevance. So sure. it's a good combination. The rest of the stuff I read is all nonfiction. So yeah, yeah. this was sort of off the beaten path. Okay, interesting. Good stuff. I'll, do, uh, I'll put that in the show notes. So. Yeah. Uh, as we wrap up here, can you share with uh, our listeners one piece of parting guidance? <laughs> parting guidance. Yes, impart your um, wisdom upon us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, everyone's asking about real estate. Maybe I should I guide it towards that since that's what I'm doing a lot of. Um, I, uh, but I, but I actually am really horrible at giving investment guidance and don't in my practice. So, that, <laughs> um, it, I guess if I could say anything, if you have a concept for starting a business based on what your passion is, I just, I think you should do that and do it right now. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody once told uh, uh, me when we were thinking about when to have kids that there's no good time to have kids and no bad time to have kids. And uh, I, I think that's pretty true for the most part. Um, and with businesses, 
if you're passionate about it, that same thing might be said. There's no good time to do it and there's no bad time to do it. Just do it. Sure. You know, at, at the end of the day, if you're good at it, it's all gonna it's all gonna work out. Yeah. That would be <laughs> for whatever that's worth. Sure. I, I like that. I think. We started everything when we were, uh, my wife was pregnant uh, with our first child, mm-hmm. um, and the economy had, all the real estate world had shut down. Yeah. It's is December of 08. And we said, if we can do this business in a time period where there's not a lot going on, we're yeah. going to be successful for the long haul. Right. Because people that choose us are going to be spending money out of their own pockets, not the squishy part and the white meat of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, um, I, I think that holds true for most businesses. So, yeah. Okay, I like that. Uh, what's the best way for our listeners to find out more about your, your law firm, if they have you know, specific needs, see if it's a good fit for, for Absolutely, them. yeah. Our website's great. Uh, it's www.lawhg.net. Um, and all of our contact information is there, and uh, we're, we're readily available via telephone. All right, good stuff. Well, thank you for joining me today, Imans. Um, yeah, it's been great to kind of get to know you over the last couple of weeks. Awesome. Thank you, Christian. This has yeah. been great. All right, good times. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of the Seatown Podcast. Make sure to check out our guest website, support what they're doing, and show them some love. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Seatown Podcast on iTunes, as well as take a moment to rate and review my podcast and share it with your friends. If you want to hear more episodes or find out more about the podcast, you can go to our website at seatownpodcast.com. That's S-E-A hyphen townpodcast.com. I'd also love to hear from you, the listeners, with any suggestions or feedback you may have for me or recommendations for guests to invite on the show. You can email me at christianharris at seatown.com. You can also find out more about me and other projects I'm working on by visiting seatown.com. Again, that's S-E-A hyphen towncom Thanks for listening.